Hey, podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Successful Mind Podcast, where we are going to be discussing lots of different things, actually, talking about wisdom, talking about how to know when you're getting good advice or bad advice, and also sharing some really expensive mistakes that David and I have both made because of our lack of ability to seek the advice that we actually needed. So listen in and let us know what you think. Successful people learn how to make their minds work for them. We are Life Is Now, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. So, Steph, here's an idea. All right. Um, we were talking on one of our morning calls uh, that we do. I was talking about the idea of there's great secrets that are embedded in wisdom that have been kind of lost to to modernity, really, really kind of flushed out over time because we've really cheapened advice as we go through the, the years, especially with people giving advice that they have no experience with that they just heard from other people based on how social media works. So when you say cheapened advice, you mean people are giving advice that they've actually never People who people people are giving advice that aren't qualified to give that advice exactly. because they haven't demonstrated that they've actually implemented that advice. Is Ex- that what we're talking that's about when exactly you say cheap advice? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's pretty rampant, actually. Yeah, yeah, it is. So that so I was thinking about this, um, and I was thinking about the pain that people experience based on decisions that they make. And it was interesting because we were doing we're we're doing some work with. Um, our CEO solutions program that's coming up soon Mm -hmm. and thinking about the problems that uh, people deal with in building a business and the decisions that they make when they make them. And that the idea that, and I don't care whether you're building a business or you're going into a relationship or this is, or you have a friendship, whatever it might be, you're actually bringing what you think is right to the table in the moment of the decision. But that doesn't mean that you're right. And very often those decisions cause pain futuristically in our lives. And sometimes at the point where it becomes extraordinarily difficult to turn around the problem to be that actually caused it, right? Mm-hmm. So if we think in terms of a marriage, a lot of people get married, they're excited about each other, they think they're in love, they decide to make this commitment for life, and then after they have kids and after they have responsibility and after they start to trudge through what life really is about, they go, oh, shit, I think I made a mistake. And now they have to, like, turn a freight train around, Yeah. right? And yeah. we see, we see we it see in business with yeah, the, it. the same way, yes. right? Yes. So they're coming from this place of thinking that they're doing the right thing. I don't think people... They actually um, consciously go, I want to blow up my life five years from now by making this decision. I think I'm making the decision based on I think I'm doing the right thing in the moment and not understanding or couldn't even comprehend. And forget not understanding. You can't comprehend the long-term consequences of the decision that you're making because you're just coming from whatever background information that you've gotten. And the... 
the idea behind it is is I think it's twofold. And let me just kind of play this out, see if I can work this out here. Okay. Um, the first part about it would be to understand, to go into, to start looking at your life with the understanding that you want to build something. You have a future vision to do something with your life. And, and admitting to yourself that there's many things that you don't know and you cannot know right now about uh, accomplishing what you want to accomplish so that you're going to have to be open to new ideas as they come down the pike. And, and hopefully the, your problem, your time to make a decision, and the opportunity will all merge at one point where you'll have the ability to really think through the consequence of the decision that you're making. The other thing is this. One of the things that I've noticed that has really been lost to the idea of people that have given advice is this interesting uh, little tidbit. Many years ago, and if you look back, and when I say many years ago, I'm talking about, I think this has really been lost like in the last 50 years. Probably a little bit less than that because I remember it when I got advice when I was younger from my mentors. I'm not talking about advice from the guy next door. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking yeah. about advice from people that, that knew. There was like this unspoken idea that if a person stopped what they were doing to pay attention to you for five minutes, to give you some advice about something that you were struggling with, the unspoken rule was that they actually believed you had the ability to rise up to the situation, to take the advice and do something with it. Like you've got the potential. They saw it. That's why they're stopping to give you the advice to begin with. Otherwise, they wouldn't give you the time of day. Napoleon Hill actually talks about this in a little bit different way mm -hmm. in Think and Grow Rich. Like when you, when, when, when that teacher shows up in your life, you better heed the, the warning that comes with it because the whole idea is that the advice isn't worth shit unless you actually raise your standard and change what it is that you're doing and change your mindset and actually develop yourself to the ability to use the advice. That seems to have disappeared. People have seem to have no knowledge that there's a reality that uh, within them is this thing that can overcome tremendous problems in life, and the right people will come along and give the advice. And the way one of the ways that I see this play out is that people it's not that people don't look for advice they do look for advice but they don't follow it when they when when they come across a real person that has real world skills and knowledge they 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 come up with the idea like oh I can't do that I can't do it. it's almost as if they want this person who's accomplished something to come down to their level and lift them up to the ability to do it without understanding they've got to climb that ladder of achievement and discipline themselves to be able to do it because the, there's so much power and gift in that advice to be able to do it. They have to come up uh, to that level themselves. Well, it's the whole don't throw pearls before swine analogy it from the Bible, it, right? It's exactly like, that. And, and there's a lot of pearls being thrown. And a lot of swine. <laughs> a lot of swine right now. But yeah, you know, and I, I'm, I'm listening to you as you're saying this. And I think nowadays, People ask for advice, but they half want the person that they're asking their advice to, to agree with their problem, right? Which is right. getting in the problem with them and being like, oh yeah, that's a really, you know, instead of 
having the person asking for the advice rise up to their level. The person asking the advice wants the person to lower themselves to their level so that they can be right. Right. Yeah. So that they can be a victim. Right. You know what this, you know what this is weird. This just flip flashed into my mind. There's a scene. Have you, you've seen the Godfather movie, right? The original yes. one. Okay. Yes. There's a scene in the Godfather where the Johnny Fontaine character, uh, that's supposedly so-called Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. goes to the Godfather and he's whining and complaining about how he's not getting this part in this movie and all this stuff. And the, and the Godfather stands up and I think he slaps him into his face and he says, you could be a man. Like, like he's basically saying, what do I do Godfather about this? And he's like, you be a man, like stand up, stand up and take a hold of yourself. You know, yeah. have some, have some pride in yourself, lift yourself up above uh, the so-called desperation that you think you're seeing and realize that you created this, you can, you can get out of it, but you mm-hmm. have to, you have to, you have to come to the place where you gotta go, I have to believe in myself to be able to do this. Yeah. I think there's also this issue with, you know, you're saying 50 years ago, 50 years ago, you were having information coming in through maybe a handful of different places, yeah. right? So you had information come in through the radio, you know, you had information come through the TV, but it was pretty limited. I mean, yeah. even when I was a kid, I think we had 13 channels or something. Yep. And you actually had to seek out. You had to go to the library. You had to sift through the card catalog. You had to actually spend time to get the answers that you were looking for. So those answers became really valuable to you because you had to put forth effort to find those answers. And today, you can get any piece of advice. You can go on YouTube and search anything. There's a consultant for everything out there and it's very, very noisy. So it feels like there's advice everywhere. So if I don't take this piece of advice, I'll take this piece of advice and I'll take this piece of advice and I'll try this thing and you're bombarded. So you actually don't value what is coming because there's so much of it in such a such a huge capacity and it's always it's all over the place. Yeah. And here's another thing. They can't tell between what's, what's good advice and what's bad advice. Right? Yeah. Like I was, I was telling a group of people, I said, you know, think about, think about a relationship because I see such a parallel here. Let's say you're raised in an environment where um, the men in, in your childhood were all assholes, right? All dysfunctional, toxic. Yeah, I like this analogy. Toxic men, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and you don't, you never experience somebody who's a gentleman, somebody with character, somebody with standards. Your norm is these jerks that you're raised around in your life. So you grow up and you go out and you're looking to put the men in your life that you want in your life. And yet you have no experience with anybody of any standing uh, maturity, right? Yep. So you surround yourself with all these assholes and then you have all these problems and you don't know why you're having these problems and it and and what a lot of people do they go if this person would just change or i could see the potential in them if they would just treat me better if they would stop drinking or if they would stop whatever it is you know then instead of realizing wait a second why is it that i'm creating a life with these people of a lower standard instead of seeing something different because they've never seen anything different that's all that they know at that point right so it's that 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 idea is stuck in their mind when you're building a business, um, you only know what you know as uh, the reality that you have. So you can't make decisions from a place of not knowing something. The advice that is given to us 
You can't tell the difference between is this good advice or is this bad advice. Usually we see people make decisions based on advice that they think is going to get them there faster. That seems to be the quality of standard in which... Or the easiest. Or the easiest. Like, yeah. What's the easiest thing I can do? What is the cost-effective thing that I can do? What's going to get me there fast, right? Yeah. And it's like, those are all the things that you don't want to be thinking about when you actually make the decision. But people don't seem to understand that. No, and they're also not... I mean, we get this question too, like, how do I know, how do I know, how do I know how to pick a, a consultant, a coach? And my first thing is, well, that they've demonstrated, they've actually demonstrated that they have the, that they've done what you would like to do. Yeah. Right. Because you've got a lot of coaches and consultants that are giving advice about things that they've actually never implemented, tried, tested, used anything. They just think that that's a good idea. They read it in a book somewhere, but never tested it out. So you have people that are, are giving this advice that aren't qualified to give the advice for one. And you have people taking advice without realizing they're taking advice from someone that's not qualified. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And that then what happens is you're in the, the asshole thing, right? Like, you know, oh, I hired this coach and they, they didn't help me and they gave me bad advice. And then I hired another coach and they didn't help me and they gave me any bad advice. And they're blaming it on the coach or consultant, which there's a responsibility there, right? They're responsible for 100% of the 50, you know, 50% of the relationship, but they're also not seeing, wow, I really attracted this because I wasn't, I wasn't evaluating my decision-making process in the correct way. Right. I had, uh, I had some experiences as an early entrepreneur where it was obvious that my ignorance in legal was causing a problem in my business because I had two, I had two rather nasty experiences that kind of woke me up to, um, not only the fact that I needed legal solid legal representation, but I needed to understand where it applied to. And I needed to recognize people that were basically trying to con me. Right. And I'm just going to say that that's exactly what it was. So the first one was that I was doing business with a few other people and we had a project that we were working on that we created this separate entity for. And the damn thing was doing really well. It was doing better than any one of us individually could do. That's why we kind of came together to do this. We all had, um, we had some skill set in some areas, but not enough in all to do it on our own. So we did like $5 million in a three month period of time. It was, it was a amazing success. And right after we did it, uh, one of the partners stole all the money. And they stole all the money. And then on top of it, they stole all the list, all our marketing list that we had developed for this thing. Now, for my part, that marketing list was four years worth of work that I had done. That's worth more than the money you lost. It was worth more than the money <laughs> that I lost. Now, now, the money I lost created a big problem because I had a huge tax issue at the time because I wasn't I didn't, I, there was a lot of things I was learning at the same time, and I hadn't put tax aside, tax money aside out of that. Mm-hmm. Part of the problem was my fault, and part of it was that I hadn't had the ability to receive the money yet before they actually took it. So there's, there's that. But the whole thing was my fault because I didn't have an attorney look at the damn contract before I signed it, right? So that's one, that, there's, there's problem number one. Another problem happened the same year, okay? where I was working with another company. I was trying to do joint venture stuff. I was trying to like bridge out and do things with, with different people. And 
I went and met with these people uh, in Scottsdale. And I had done some work for them. They had hired me to do work. I spoke for their company several times. I had consulted with them several times. And they wanted to do a deal where I was going to design their, their seminars. And this is back when I was in the multi-level marketing thing. So I, the deal was I was going to get a percentage of everything that went through up to $10 million over a period of time. And they, th- this is their, I, it was almost kind of like I felt that this was wrong, but I didn't want to appear stupid at the same time within the negotiation. And the guy said to me, I said, well, okay, let me, uh, I said, put down, let's draw this up in a, in a contract. I'll have my attorney look at it. And he's like, he's like, we're in self-improvement. Our word is our bond. We don't need contracts. Red flag. Red yeah. flag. Well, I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Red flag now. Red flag. Like I would pit myself in the head with a sledgehammer now. But then it was kind of like, oh, maybe this is the next level. Like maybe this is, maybe people at this level don't. And it never occurred to me like, oh, huge businesses, they have contracts for everything. Like it, it just, my mind spaced out again because I wanted the business so bad. I didn't stand up for what I thought was right because I was afraid that I was going to be ignorant in the mind of these people that supposedly knew more than me. And the truth was they didn't because they were coming to, for, to me yeah. for advice. Yeah. So, uh, of course, I created those things. They went and did them, and they never paid me a dime, and I didn't have any recourse because there was nothing to even prove that we had the conversation to begin with. So I learned that there were things that I didn't know based on my ignorance. And I was making I was making very serious decisions, and I didn't know. And I really learned that I had I could not do that anymore. Like I was playing I was playing like an adult game here now. This is not childhood stuff, right? There's major consequences to these decisions. I have to know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I have to be sure that I, and if that requires that I go to multiple people so that I'm fact-checked in my own bullshit, that I know what I don't know so that I can make these decisions sound. And here was another thing, Steph. And this was, at first, this was an embarrassing thing to admit because here I am, I was teaching people abundance. And one of the reasons that I didn't hire an attorney was it was like 1300 bucks. <laughs> to have them read this damn contract. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm smart enough. I can read the contract. I don't need to spend $1,300 to do that. Right. And not understanding the value in that. Yeah. Like the, um, the amount of money, 1300 out of 5 million. Really? Seriously? Yeah, that, that lack of 1300 cost you $5 million. That's right. Plus a list, which plus is a list. worth plus more than Plus starting over. Yes. The whole, like it's incalculable. Oof, shout out to all the attorneys listening that to this decision, podcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, that's the, so those are, those are young inexperienced mistakes that had I been seeking the proper counsel, I would have never made those mistakes, right? If there was somebody to teach me, here are things that you can do that are going to save you years of heartache because once you make the mistake, now you suffer the consequence and you've got to fix it. And it took a long time to fix those errors. So I had, I, I have experienced this as well when I was first starting well not even first starting but I was in like year two of my nutrition practice and I was growing so fast and I was having a hard time managing it all and it didn't occur to me to hire like you know a second nutritionist or anything like that and it was holistic nutrition was pretty rare at that time I mean this was like you know 20 years ago 15 years ago Uh, yeah like 17 years ago Um, and I decided and business was going so well 
like I was growing, I was just like, ooh, this is amazing. I'm going to take it to the next level and I'm going to create and I'm going to create a software program. I'm going to create a software program that's going to manage all my clients' intake and give them real-time feedback about what they need to change in their eating habits to get the result that they want. And I'm also going to market this to supplement companies because then they can plug in their supplement recommendations and do auto ship directly from this software program. And I don't know if you remember this um, because I was coaching with you part of the time, like right at the very tail end of this. But I contacted a, a, a developer friend. I asked him to create the software program for me. I didn't do any market research. This was new in technologies and most of my clients were over 45. So they weren't, some of them didn't even have computers at home. There weren't apps on your phone at that time. Um, I didn't contact supplement companies to see if they'd even be interested in the software program, right? So I went in totally blind thinking I could do it all myself and I knew and I was untouchable. And I did not have an agreement. I did not have a contract with my software developer because he was a nice guy, right? Nice guy. He was a nice guy. Yeah. You know, we talked about it. We don't need a, an agreement. The project was supposed to cost about 20000 um, but things kept coming up. Deadlines kept being missed. Um, it was originally supposed to be created within a couple of months. It ended up being drawn out over a year. I'm... And then I begin to start pre-selling to supplement companies and find out that they're not really interested. I'm starting to beta test it with my clients and it's not going really well. He continues to tell me he needs more time and, and this is becoming more complicated, so he needs more money. And the next thing I know, I'm $100,000 in personal debt in this software program, right? And, and this, was, this was not at a time where I had $100,000 that we could just spend on software. And it never never got off the ground. There's still a software program called NutraTrainer, which I still love that <laughs> that name. Yeah. Floating around in the ether, completely unused and not done. Um and it it cost me that was a $100,000 mistake, all because I didn't ask anyone for advice. I didn't have legal involved. I didn't do any market research. I didn't contact anyone who had developed software. Right. Like, and at this point, I was, I thought I was pretty coachable. I'd had, you know, JJ Virgin was my first mentor. I was so grateful for all the advice that she gave me. I did everything she told me. You were my second mentor. I did everything you told me. But for some reason, this was like, I got my ego got the best of me. And what because, were the assumptions that you were making looking back? Just curious. I think the assumption was if I build it, they will come. Like if I do this, this yeah. will allow me to, this will allow me to expand. Someone will see the value that I see in it and, you know, purchase it, buy me out, license it, you know, whatever it, it could be, it could be saleable. And it was the wrong time. It was the wrong software. It was the wrong developer. There was no agreement. Like I made all kinds of assumptions and I just didn't know what I didn't know. Right. I just, I just didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. And I totally could have asked people in my life for advice. I completely could have contacted an attorney. I could have had a contract written up. I could have contacted the supplement companies because I had ins at all of them and said, hey, if I build this, is this something you're interested in? Do you want to partner with me right. and have them come up with some of the, like I, it was just like, and then you get so far into it that you're like, well, I can't stop now because then I'll have wasted 
this time and money. So I have to keep going when I really should have like cut my losses sure. at some point. Um, and that was like, I didn't seek, I didn't seek someone else's wisdom on that. And it cost me dearly and I will never forget it. It's a lot of the reason why we, we really do like tests on all the programs that we sell now to make sure that there's a demand for it and there's interest for it before we go into, you know, spending a whole bunch of time and money on creating something that our, our audience isn't interested in. Right. I mean, this new program that we just launched, CEO Solutions. I mean, I thought it's, I, I think it's a fantastic program. It delivers all the systems and operations and, and templates you need to put, to install systems into your business. Yeah. But I wasn't going to assume that people were going to love this program. So we did a beta with a group of hand-selected people, got amazing results. And now we're actually, you know, really launching it in, in a wide way because like that, I can, I can honestly say it, that's probably what I, the biggest lesson I learned from my hundred thousand dollar oopsie with the software program yeah. is to to really you know test things before you go all in on creating something. For sure, for sure. You know, I think that the other, I think, I think one of the unconscious assumptions that we make, and I know that this was partially behind mine, was this assuming that everybody has the same values that you do. You know, like you would oh. never, I would never screw anybody over. No, and I would never take advantage of somebody, but. The idea that somebody else would and it would be completely okay with them uh, never even crossed my mind. That was not something that that I had ever really been taught, uh, you know, in my life. So it was a it, just interesting ideas, even from the perspective of how you hire employees or how you actually begin to work with a team. Over and over again, we have heard this idea like, why won't they just do what I tell them to do? I expect them to do this. And you'll say to them, well, have you talked to them about that? Have you asked them to do that? Have you clearly <laughs> asked them to tell you what they understand to be their job? And they're like, well, no. And it's like, well, how do you, do you expect them to know that? And when they actually start to, when you turn the light on for them and they start to think about it, they're like, I don't know. You could tell it's an assumption, right? They just assume that the person is going to know to do these things and yet they have not developed a communication skill themselves yet yet to actually have that conversation right. with those folks. Yeah. And and in CEO solutions, we teach that, right? We teach how do you actually communicate in a way where everybody's understanding exactly what has to happen and there's accountability and feedback based on here's the direction that we're actually going. Yeah. You know? There are no assumptions in a well run company. No. <laughs> no assumptions everyone it's about clear communication it's about clear expectations it's about agree agreements and those agreements are agreed upon by both parties um and i mean it it, it assumptions are oh they they're so painful they're so painful i mean that's assumptions anywhere right in a relationship you assume the other person knows how you feel or right. knows what you want and you don't actually ever tell the person right. how you feel or what you want and you know, the thing is that it really comes down to just how painful communication is for people to say what you want, to say what you don't want, to ask for something, to ask for clarity around something to, to, because if, even if you look in relationships, people will come to us and ask us how they should deal with this problem that they're having with their spouse. And they haven't even had the conversation right. with them. They're afraid. There's terror in there to have that to have that conversation. And uh, 
it reminds me of the of the whole vampire um uh what's the word i'm looking for metaphor you know the in the in in all of the when when i was a kid i loved you you mentioned something about the television stations i just i have to say this because it's in my mind okay in chicago we had 2579 channel 11 which was pbs 32 and 44 44 was the hispanic station at the time but on sundays it had wrestling oh nice (laughs) but after saturday morning cartoons came the monster shows Oh yeah, right? I remember. Yes, yes, if, if, yeah. So we would sit down, and and there was always a vampire, Dracula, or a, you know, werewolf or wolfman yeah. or the mummy or whatever the thing, whatever. And we just loved those. We just loved those shows, but they were all based on uh, basically historical stories that really have an imprint into the psychology, the darker side of psychology within the human being. And and what's interesting about this, and I didn't learn this till later, was that they have rules right? These monsters have rules in many cases, especially vampires. They cannot enter your home without being invited. Now that's a fascinating thing. It is. Right? They can't enter the the home without being invited. Like if you step out of the home, they can get you, Mm -hmm. right? But they can't come into your home without being invited. You have to actually, and, and they depicted this not only in novels, but they depicted it in the actual old monster movies themselves. So if you look at these situations that we were talking about with communication, let's realize something first because uh, responsibility is the key to success, right? Yes. We, we don't have any power to change anything until we understand our responsibility within the problem. We invited these people into our life. And that's one of the hardest things to, to admit. Like, we invited the vampires into our we lives. We invited the vampires into our life, right? The person that you're afraid to have a conversation with, ask yourself, why are you afraid to have the conversation? I think that's a very important point of consciousness to become aware of. Why am I afraid to talk to my spouse? Why am I afraid to talk to my business partner? Why am I afraid to talk to this team member? Like what I understand skill set around conversation and agreements and all that. I get that, yeah, right? Everybody yeah. has to learn that. But what is the fear behind it for most people? you know the answer to that? You tell me. What do you think the fear is? They're worried about what the other person's going to think of them. And and so that begs the question of why. What is it that if I'm worried about what somebody else thinks of me, what have I staked my own ability on that I need somebody else's opinion to be able to do whatever? How is it that I've given this opinion so much power over my own opinion in life? To where I'm actually scared to death to, to to meet this head on, you know, in this situation. I either somebody hit either I, well, like as I just said, we invited the people in, yes, but then we gave them our power, yes, right. We gave them power over what's ours. Yes, that's astounding. It is astounding, and it it's 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 a epidemic. It is. And I, th- I just wanted to talk about it because I think that it's, it's, it is, needs to be considered for the point of change. Like if you don't realize that you're doing this, because so many people come from, um, and I was listening to somebody talk about this the other day as it pertained to marriage. And the idea was kind of like this, stop thinking that this person is going to change. 
Stop thinking that you could help this person. Stop thinking that you could change this person. Uh, stop, stop looking at what you think the potential is of this person. Yeah. Right? Look at what is going on right now, right? And ask yourself, why are you not addressing this issue now? Why are you not up-leveling? Like, if the person doesn't have the ability to do the job, why are you keeping them? Why are you considering? How many times do we get a question about somebody who's not doing something and they're like, should I lower their pay or should I move them around or how, what do I? It's like, well, why don't you let them go and hire somebody else? It's too painful. It's very painful. Yes. I mean, I just got a text this morning from one of our private clients saying, hey, can I have a quick conversation with you? I need to have a hard conversation and I'm really <laughs> feeling afraid. And I'm like, well, I, I want to say, you know, I can't talk you through the fear. Like you just have to make the decision and and do it. Right. Yeah. Um, but I love, I want to go back to what you just said, because I think it's really powerful and I don't think people think about it this way. Asking yourself, why am I so afraid to have this conversation and why have I given away my power? Right. Yeah. Why have I, why, why, am, why do I value their opinion more than I value my own? And that goes back to you know, our mantra, which is what's in the best interest of the company. Right. Like, why is this person, why, why, why is what this person thinks about me so much more important than what's in the best interest of my company? I think one of the reasons that people do that is they bring people into their life to take over responsibilities that they're not willing to do themselves. I don't know that that's a hundred percent true, but I definitely know we see it with sales, right? We see people they want to, they just want to get around this whole sales thing. Like we've talked about this many times yeah. and it's like, should you, or should you not become pretty competent sales yeah. before you bring somebody else on? Right. Um, if I, if I bring somebody in, like if I don't become good at sales and I bring somebody in, it's a vulnerable spot for me. Right. And I'm, I'm tempted to believe whatever this person's telling me. And I don't know how to tell the truth of what they're saying is, is it real or not? Right. Mm -hmm. Where else does that show up in relationships? What is it that carries so much weight as far as the safety of your own mind uh, that you're afraid to have? The, because if you think about it, it's like, okay, so I'm afraid of what this person thinks, but why am I afraid of what they think? What is the consequence of them thinking ill of me or walking away? Right. Or quitting. Right. I'll, be, I'll be a bad person. I'll be a bad person. I'll be a bad person. Nobody wants to be a bad person. Right. And then shame. Bingo. And we're back to shame. We're back to shame. Yeah. It really comes down to that. It really comes down to that. I it's, think light bulbs are going off right now for people listening to this podcast. Yeah. I was actually reading, I was reading Genesis last night. And there's an, just randomly reading Genesis. Yeah, yeah no, randomly reading Genesis, right? It, it's a, I, well, that's, Genesis fascinates me. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's just a fascinating uh, idea. Anyway, I was reading this, and there's in the beginning where, where God creates man and woman, he creates them, and, and there's, there is a very specific sentence uh, and you know how me, like how I read things, yes. right? Like there's a reason that yes. this is being stated. Yes. What's the purpose of right. this? Yes. They were naked and not ashamed. It says that, right? They mm -hmm. were naked and not ashamed. They were, it's like they're making a statement that this is before they knew shame. 
right? They were free, and they were living in this great place before they knew. There was no shame. They did not know it at this point. Yeah. And so much of the work that we've done is also helps people understand how much shame actually controls the decision-making process of their life without them even knowing, knowing it. it. You know, it's yeah. installed when you're a little kid and it runs rampant in your mind based on experience and how people used it against you. But it's a very powerful detractor from success, this idea of, of you know, this internal self-shame that everybody's trying to re-regulate or, or, or do something with. So I just wanted to point that out because I think that, you know, the it, because basically where does it go from that in Genesis? It goes to the idea that there was a mistake made, right? That they did something that they were told not to do, but then as a result of doing that, they experienced shame. Yes. Right? So here they are. They were given, let me, let me back this up just so people understand this because yes. I know that it's kind of a hard concept. And I think... For a lot of people, sometimes you have to take the religion out of the idea for a moment to really understand this. God gave, according to Genesis now, okay, this is the story. God gave man and woman uh, the, this freedom and everything that they needed in the Garden of Eden. Everything was perfect, and they lived without shame. So, but there were rules. It wasn't that there were no rules, right? There were rules. You could do this, this, and this, but you can't do this. It was the breaking of the rule that caused the shame. Now, if we look at that metaphorically in our own personal life, right, the idea is when does shame show up for most people? When do we originally become introduced to shame? Because we're not born with shame. We get shamed when we break a rule. Right. Right? At a young age, before we understand who we are, but we're shamed first. So when we're shamed first, that starts to install as part of becoming our identity, who we are as a person. So now I'm actually going around in my life looking to avoid things that are going to shame me instead of understanding how do I build in the direction that I want to go to live the life that I really want. I'm making It's almost like making decisions from what you don't have in order to get what you want. Right. right? I want to save money versus spend money to do this versus spending money to get the right thing done to begin with. Yeah, I think it's fascinating that we're we're kind of wrapping up this podcast on the the shame note because it's really the root of everything that we've been talking about, yeah. right? It like is. it really it's really an undercurrent of anything. People avoid those conversations because they don't want to feel, feel like a bad person. If they feel like a bad person, they're feeling shame and that's very painful right. for a right. lot of people. And to leave it on a biblical note, <laughs> <laughs> Solomon said where there is no vision, the people will perish. And Solomon was a figure of wisdom right? Mm-hmm. In Proverbs or whatever it was. So the, you, you, you have to ask yourself, what is the vision for what I'm doing? How am I making decisions with, am I making decisions based on the vision or based on what I'm afraid I'll experience? And that, I think that's this, one of the significant things about CEO Solutions is that it's like, here's how you base decisions that are based on your vision, right? 100%. We need to teach you how to make decisions based on your vision, not on what you're afraid to lose. Because if you make decisions on what you're afraid to lose, you're going to keep going in circles and you'll eventually get to the point where turning it around gets too big. You'll actually lose the thing you're afraid to lose. You'll lose the thing you're afraid to lose. Like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Self-fulfilling, 100%. Great stuff. If anyone's interested in the CEO Solutions, we have enrollment through Wednesday of this week, so only a couple of days left to enroll. You can apply for the program. It's for a very small group, um, 15 business owners. Yeah. 
And you can apply by going to lifeisnowinc.com forward slash CEO. And as David said, we start the program with vision. So you actually create a 3D world of your vision so that you have a basis for all the decisions that you make. And of course, we we you know assess your team. We, we help you install systems that we currently use that are all timed and tested and proven that we've done with our team. But if you'd like more information, just go to lifeisnowinc.com forward slash CEO. That is exactly accurate. And we'll make sure and link that below. Thank you for that. Yeah, this Thanks. is amazing. This is, this is what I love about this show. You can take nuggets of wisdom. You started with wisdom and advice, yeah. right? And then you brought in vampires. <laughs> you brought in think and grow rich. You brought in Genesis. And then you closed with Solomon. That's what's so good about <laughs> the, the Life Is Now brand is you can take something like that and we got there. Just before we leave, there was one piece. You guys got really deep into the weeds about advice. And I started doing some random Google searches about um, excellent pieces of advice. Like, what does it look like? And you guys touched on them probably organically. But one of the things you talked about was you have to know yourself first and foremost. That's like the biggest piece of advice that you should, you know, know when someone's giving you advice, know yourself in depth. Uh, you talked about not making assumptions. That's a big one. People make assumptions in it. And then, of course, the persistence that David always talks about. So I'm going to link to this one down below. And I'm also going to link to the CEO solutions. Like you just said, lifeisnowinc.com forward slash CEO solutions. I had a chance to witness that program in the flesh. Is it forward slash CEO solutions? Sorry, forward slash CEO. Okay, so yeah. I did say that You witnessed it right. in the flesh? Were you ashamed or no? I would, I'll tell you what, there were some times when, you know, I could see the people in the room sort of feeling that and you're able to break them through those pieces of shame. But yeah, I just had to jump in and say, I love the fact, and I'm back here. My whole screen is full of vampire lore and Van Helsing and the yeah. lost boys right now. I'm totally in the weeds. And Steph brings in the JLo effect on top she, of it. She totally does. Absolutely. So now we're back to, now we're at JLo now. So we went from vampires to JLo and here we are. But I love the fact that you bring in David more about vampires because you talked about in our Halloween episode, that that was your favorite costume to wear yeah. as a youngster. Oh, it was. So yeah, totally. We can definitely tell where this is coming from, but this is an amazing. Um, it's just it's just fascinating, and I love the fact that you guys are talking about this new program, CEO Solutions, because it is a it's a banger, and it's so so very good. So excellent work today. I, I just had to, I just had to say, uh, crazy the the strains and the threads we go to to get Wait. to here. But we never know perfect. where we're gonna where we're gonna end up when we do these podcasts. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's so good, and I love it. And it's just your your brains are you're powerful. So I'm I'm very grateful for that. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Successful Mind Podcast. We hope you got some nuggets of wisdom from our conversation. And once again, if you're interested in learning more about our brand new program, CEO Solutions, just go to lifeisnowinc.com forward slash CEO. We'll see you on the next episode of the Successful Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. If you like what you've heard and you want to know more, go to lifeisnowinc.com.